0: things therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. And the theme of my podcast is that we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time through this show. I appreciate all of you who have been listening in to my interviews each week. I'm over the three-year mark of podcasting every Thursday. I love it, and I wouldn't be loving it if it wasn't for every one of you who have listened and subscribed and shared this podcast and let me know just how much you've enjoyed it, even reaching out to me to be my guest. I've had many of you on once you email me. So I invite you to please continue to spread this love with everyone you know. You can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I have private practice offices in both cities, and I also provide FaceTime, Skype, and phone sessions to people worldwide. So reach out if you are looking for a different kind of healing practitioner that I consider myself to be. Please also sign up and join my email list at nolatherapy.com. And to follow this podcast on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and Twitter under Therapy. And if you're inclined to support my work, I have a crowdfunding campaign through Patreon, and it enables podcasters, authors, artists to have you support our work for as little as a dollar a month. You can learn more about that through the website patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. So, my guest today, I just have been really excited to have him on in just moments. We are going to be with actor singer, composer, teacher, and mentor, Kirk Taylor. If you want to follow along, you can go to his website, KirkTaylorOfficial.com. And Kirk's credits include Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, The Angriest Man in Brooklyn with Robin Williams, Spike Lee's School Days, Death Wish 3 with Charles Bronson, The Sum of All Fears, where he was cast alongside a Morgan Freeman and Ben Affleck, The Last Dragon, and most recently coming out next Friday, April 19th, is the feature film musical Revival, The Experience, which we're going to talk about. I think it's a really unique film. It's a retelling of the Gospel of John in a futuristic and past. Perspective, it's set in first century Israel, as well as fast forwards to Los Angeles, and I think 2050. So I'm going to be asking Kirk more about that and what that experience was like for him. And Kirk has had over three decades in the TV and movie industries and on and off Broadway theater. I've just sensed from him as I've been learning and researching, he has such a deep, soulful, and spiritual nature and is amazingly approachable, and I'm just delighted, Kirk, to have you on today. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I'm so I'm so happy to be here with you, Lisa, as well.
0: Me too. Well, thank, you for
1: that, thank you for that great introduction. That was wonderful.
0: <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I had so much fun learning about you and now being able to talk about everything. So where do you want to start? And I don't want you to miss sharing with us how you were tricked into acting back in high school. So at some point, I would love to hear uh-huh. about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I guess the overall takeaway has been that there's, I've found that there has really been design in the things that I've accomplished, that it was not coincidental. And very often things seem to happen in a, you know, off the cuff way, but it was never that for me. I found out why, as I rewinded to hear stories about my family and I started to understand some of the, the foundation of my life. For instance, my mom, my grandmother told me this. Now, this was a, a shocking thing to hear as a kid. My mom, at seven years old, contracted spinal meningitis in 1941. Oh, which wow. Is basically a de- a, it was a death yes. sentence. Because they, yes. they, they called my mother and said, they called my grandmother and said, Mrs. Weeks, because she was already in the hospital. They said, Mrs. Weeks, you've you got to get here right away. Your, Rose is dying. She's not going to make it through the day. And so that's how bad it was. So as a kid, when you hear that, you're like, well, wait a minute. If mom. Oh my God. That means I wouldn't, I yeah. would have never met her. So I realized that was something had happened. Uh, there was an exchange and my grandmother got on the back of the bus in Washington DC with my aunt and was praying out loud to my aunt's mm. embarrassment. They got to the hospital. The doctor walked up to my grandmother and just, there was very direct. He says, I'm so sorry. You're too late. Cause my mother was Ugh. expiring in the next room. She was gasping and she, her brain, she was unconscious. Her brain was swollen against her skull. It's it's a devastating illness even now. but then. They didn't have antibiotics. And my grandmother dropped to her knees, Lisa, right in front of the doctor and Aunt Lee. Aunt Lee tried to get her up. She raised her hands and looked to heaven, and she said, Father, in the name of Jesus, if you save my daughter, Rosemary, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to you. And nurses started running out of my mother's room. The doctor was called back in. He came out shaking his head, and he said, she's not sick. She's, she's not sick. Her, her her brain swelling is gone. I mean, she's what she just sat up. She's sitting there smiling inside the plastic bubble. And my mother said that's all she remembers of it. She said she remembers Aunt Lee and grandmother waving to her inside of that bubble. And so I, I as I thought back to that, I was like, wow, that was a covenant, a promise that my that grandmother made. She lived be mm-hmm. 101, mm-hmm. Lillian R. Weeks. That was a covenant. And she kept it but it means that I'm part of the covenant because I'm the fruit of what should not have been. Mm. And so I, as, as I look back over my life, I started seeing like God's hand in things in, in protections. And like, I was saved for a purpose. And when I was nine, my, I, I did my first play. Uh, we did the King and I at camp. And I mm. forget to get, I played the Prince. My mother coached me on that. And I found out later on from her yearbook that we just recently found that she had put down. She wanted to be a dramatics teacher. And so then I understood the the design in that, that I had come as a fulfillment of that, that desire. And as my career progressed, we continued to share that dream together. So I started in, and uh, that was my first play. But the real serious one was in high school when I decided that um, I was playing basketball my freshman year. And I heard the drama teacher was really tough. In fact, I heard, I stepped into a rehearsal when I was a freshman, and she was tough, Sandra Hardy. So much, mm-hmm. she scared me actually. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, well, I guess my career is over because I'm never going to audition for that lady. And <laughs> the next year, my co- my cousin Monica said, uh, I wanted to ride home. Me and Clifton needed to ride her brother. Um, and she, Monica, people, if you've seen Clifton Davis, you've seen Monica Durant Davis. That's her husband. So he's my cousin in law. But anyway, Monica was had a, a love for the arts even back then, and she, I asked for a ride home. It was it was raining, it was sleeting. She said, "Oh yes, I'll give you a ride home if you and Clifton come and audition for the school play." I said, <laughs> God, no, no, I don't think so. Not doing it. No, I already knew I wasn't going to do it. I wanted to in a way, but I would never do it. And she said, "Well, I'm auditioning. and If you're not auditioning, then you can walk." I said, "Monica, it's it's sleeting outside." She said, yep you have to audition so me and her brother clifton my cousin we went in and auditioned with her we i was the crazy i remember i had to sing something off the cuff they made me <laughs> dance and i got the lead
0: wow in the
1: play we did cabaret that year the joel gray role She did the film with liza Nelly. i got the lead monica got a part in the chorus she was still she was scratching her head like wait a minute you got the lead wow my cousin clifton didn't get anything so I, that, that that was a divine hookup right there. I, I got hooked because my very first, at least in my very, very, very first performance, I didn't know if I was doing good or not. I, I just was going with this this yeah. overwhelming passion of my heart. And I came out for my first curtain call, first one. And the audience stood and thundered. And I literally opened my mouth. I had tears welling up on my eyes. Yeah. I couldn't have imagined that feeling. And I thought at that point, you know what? I'm never leaving.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: is where, this is my new home. This is a place where I feel accepted. This is a place where I feel I can express the the overflow. As very often artists will tell you, there's kind of an overflow of emotions and, and ideas. Uh, and it, sometimes it can make you, if you have an artistic soul, it can make it difficult for you. In day to day life, but mm-hmm. through the arts, we can find an expression to 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 show our vision, like impression, like impressionistically, like Van Gogh did, where we're showing you how we see it, how we feel it, and how you uh, feel it. Yes, if we, yeah, and if we do it right, as Marlon Brando said, our job is to make audiences stop in the middle of eating their popcorn, like because they're moved, they're touched, they're shocked, they're uh, uh, they identify, and that's a, a deep Um, privilege of being an actor.
0: You know, I had heard you share in another interview the story of your mother uh, basically having dying in the hospital and your grandmother and your aunt praying and just the spontaneous recovery and that miracle. And it brought tears to my eyes and that she was unafraid to declare a prayer out loud that that saved your mother's life. And then the subsequent is you call them God winks, which I think of as confirmations that we are right where we need to be, that you are right where you need to be. Like in that story you just shared with the, you know, I'm not going to give you a ride home unless you audition. And it's like spirit knowing what we need and and disguising it in these, in the weirdest of circumstances sometime, but bringing us to where we actually want, what we want to experience. And I wonder if you could speak to us about about more of those moments in your career. You, I mean, you've been in this business for over 30 years.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have found that the the, uh, the ingredient that not only fills up the cup but overflows the cup is, is having uh, that connection to God about my spiritual life. And so prayer, I can tell you of stories, and I will share stories of how that prayer just turned it around. Um, even at times, you know, we... I do other things besides act. And so I teach, I started Mm -hmm. teaching at the Strasbourg Institute some years ago, and I have a, a a list of my students that are, I'm so proud of, like uh, Charles Malik Whitfield, Jose Zuniga, Chandra Wilson from Grey's Anatomy, Gary Jordan. I mean, a a lot of actors. Uh, That was, that in itself was a a great privilege, but at at times I've thought about walking away from acting because, you know, you work, you don't work. It's, it's so, you know, it's, it's, That freelance lifestyle can be difficult at times, Mm. and so that's why I'm trying to – I'm writing scripts. I write music. I sing. I do other things. But at one point, I remember we got up in the morning, and I said to my wife, I said, you have to pray for me. She said, okay. She said, what about? (laughs) I said, pray that if I'm supposed to continue to do this, that God would be really clear because I'm not really working enough. I did the guest star on Chicago Hope, and I did this and that. But it's not enough, really. And it, I maybe I made a, uh, uh, maybe it's over. Maybe that season's over. And I said, Would you pray that he would be super, super clear? She said, Okay, she prayed for me. She got up, the phone rang before I got out of bed. And I picked it up. It was my old manager, and it was Martin. And Martin said, Kirk, um, we were just contacted by a major motion picture, and they want to know your availability next week. And I um, stood there amazing. for a second. I was frozen. Now, remember, we just, uh, 30 seconds ago, we had prayed. Yes. So I said, Yeah. I said, yes. I, I wanted to say, hey, let me check my schedule. But I said, yes, yes, I'm available next week. And I said, who? what is it? He said, it's called The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. I said, Angriest mm. Man in Brooklyn. It's Spike Lee, because I did a couple of Spike Lee projects. School days, I'm still in. The other ones I got cut out of. But I said, it's Spike. He said, uh, we don't know. We, we literally just got the call, which means they got the call while we were praying.
0: Yes, yes.
1: While we were praying, the call came in, and they were so excited. They called me immediately before they even researched it. And then I looked, and it was my buddy and one of my favorite directors and people, Phil Alden Robinson. People will know him from Field of Dreams with Kevin yeah. Costner and James Earl Jones and Burt Lancaster's last time. He's a wonderful director. I've done like three yeah. or four projects with him now, including some of all Fears, the one you mentioned, Some of All Fears, Freedom Song for TNT with Danny Glover. But anyway, it was Phil. And within a week, Lisa, I'm pinching myself <laughs> and looking up to heaven as I'm I have a New York I'm from the New York area. I have a New York cop uniform with a gun on my a gun and a badge. I have a New York squad car. I'm on the streets of LA. And there's <laughs> Robin Williams and Mia Kunis in a major scene that Phil added to the film. They had done a testing. It wasn't it was it was written. Phil wrote it and cast me in it.
0: That's and wonderful. again,
1: a God wink or sometimes they call him God, a God nod too. It's both confirmation that you're where you're supposed to be. And so that was another one of those instances where, you know, I, I often pray. I said, Lord, it says you have the doors. It says what you open, no one can shut. What you mm-hmm. shut, no one could open. So take control of the doorways. If it's a door that looks good, but it's not from you, close it. If it's a door that's from you, but it looks like it's closing on me, then turn it around. Open the door. Because if open they ahead. can't shut it, if you don't want it shut
0: you know it, it surprised me when i had read somewhere that that you did uh, with with your wife you know hey i don't know that this is what i'm t- supposed to be doing anymore that even you have experienced doubt and some confusion even around what is yep. your next step and and yep. then I, i'm imagining that that makes you such a wonderful person to mentor and teach other actors and how you do incorporate your personal experiences with your mentoring and teaching
1: oh yeah i mean it was it it really helped me to help them because I could tell them from experience, I could tell them about my successes, I can tell them about the the mishaps, the trips along the way. Um, and always with that foundation, that foundation, which means that if you have a spiritual foundation, it means you always have a resource, even when it seems like the cupboard's bare, even when it seems like there's no gas in the tank, you have a resource, a, a miraculous resource. And I had learned as a young man that. It works. I mean, yeah. listen, and I was a seeker. I, it's, I was a seeker.
0: I think yes. that if you're
1: a true, a true seeker, and that's someone who doesn't get comfortable, doesn't do just because it's your tradition or what you were taught, but if you're seeking the truth, then the, what, what Grandmother Weeks and Aunt Lee taught me as a kid, the first thing I remember them teaching me, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks the door is open. And so that's something in, in the tense that is used in the Greek. It says, ask and keep on asking, seek mm. and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. So in other words, you're not being a pest by continually going before God and asking for what you need or asking for direction or asking for help or asking for sustenance for, in whatever form that you need it. And so I've, I've been able to pass it on to some of them. Uh, and, and I learned things about spirituality in an acting class. You know, stuff that I was not taught. Uh, Understandings that I I got that were not from anybody except from a heavenly source. So um, it's been a great, and it it just feels so good when you see the light come on with them. And when you see them, it's like any father with his kids, right? Um, You want them to do well. Any mother with her children, you want them to succeed. You you, you long, you worry that they're not going to make it. Uh, And to see uh, these students of mine uh, Jesse L. Martin, Karina Lombard. I mean, working at Ben O'Furman, working at such a high level and representing well. At one point, I looked up and saw an episode of, of, I don't know if it was, it was a law enforcement show, and I saw Charles Malik Whitfield, who's on, he's on a thousand things now. He's done a lot of television, and Jose Zuniga works all the time too in television. They were on a show together as cops. And so on my Facebook page, I put a picture of me with Robin, <laughs> I cut Robin Williams out, but I put myself as a cop with those two uh, my, yes. my sons my my sons, in a sense so I'm um, a very it's been exciting to do that it's been and also listen I believe it's part of what we're supposed to do that I'm part of a legacy I studied with Strasbourg and with Adler Strasbourg and Adler uh Strasburg received directly from one of Stanislavski's students Stella went back to Russia to work with him so this goes back to the turn of the century in 18 1890s uh it came in the 1920s to the United States with a uh, American Lab Theater, Strasberg learned it there, and I studied with Strasberg. So, in other words, it, there's a there's a historical lineage, uh, historical responsibility for the work. To to, to Strasburg's work was revolutionary at the time. His book that he wrote that was released after his death is called a, a Dream of Passion, because his dream was to bring real truth, the kind of truth that that shakes up an audience to watch, that moves you, that moves you, so you don't say, oh yeah, that was good. But you say, I know that. I know that experience. I know that frustration and pain. So I have a, a, a great responsibility and a lineage to the truth in acting. And then I also have a great, because of my grandmother's prayer back in 1941 in a, in a D.C. hospital on her knees, I have a, a great spiritual lineage as well. And so I combine them both to try to encourage, to, to, to come alongside, to, to, to even uh, stand in the way when I need to, if someone's going the wrong way. Or a way that I perceive won't be uh, for their the best good. We all have choices.
0: uh, Yes. And what a beautiful full circle completion that now you teach at the Strasbourg Institute, a place where you had studied and just that that full circle, how how just meaningful I imagine that feels for you.
1: Yes. Yes, very much so. And I, I, I talked here for almost six years. And it's interesting. There's a story I don't normally share, but I will share it with you. Um, during that time at the Strasbourg Institute, I, okay, again, we think that we just chose our path, right? We think, yeah, yeah, I decided to do this because I, I started teaching because I was doing like at least a film a year in the 80s and maybe two, but I very often would run out of money. So a friend of mine was teaching at Strasburg. I was like, Tom was in class with me, Tom Wilson <laughs> from he was on Guiding Light. I was like, Tom Wilson, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to talk to them. And I went over there and they offered me a position. So um, the teaching, I thought, was my idea. During my teaching, this is this is uh, I, I, this story is crazy, but i had a I, I had a dream, and it was a vision. I had an open vision. It was so clear, I remember every detail. I don't remember my dreams that much. I remember it was in color, I remember every detail, and it was absolutely frightening. but the the culmination of the four sections of this dream at the end of it, God said, "Tell them about my light and warn them about the powers of darkness." And mm. you know what my answer to that was Lisa? No, no. <laughs> okay i was like i was like jonah i li- mm. because i knew the story of jonah how jonah had been swallowed by will because he didn't want to go minister love to the Ninevites because they were horrible to the to the jews they were horrible so why would i go to my enemies and offer them and you're going to be gracious probably god and 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 forgive them i'm I, that's it i'm going the other direction You get swallowed up so anyway i was told to do that and my response was no and you know, this is private Yes. Now I realized later it's personal. It's not private. Because if it was private, then it would have it would have no one would know because it would have stopped in the first century Israel with the, you know, the, the, the twelve apostles, the hundred and twenty disciples. It would have stopped. So I for three years, Lisa, I literally ran from this. And then things would happen where I was in Central Park and the dream was acted out for me parts that can't be acted out it was impossible for this to be acted out it was acted out in the most startling way and i was still running and then finally uh, my grandmother told me again grandmother lillian weeks she told me that there'll be times son she said when you read the scriptures where the page will light up almost like you'll Mm -hmm. know it's a ray it's a rhema word it's a revealed word for you i said okay okay well that that's what happened. I was reading the scriptures as that was my habit. I used to do, read, I read every day because uh, it's it's life, it's life-giving really. There's actually yes. a, um, a, a energy in it in life and life and light that you. it's hard to realize. I've, I've, I've seen it a few times clearly, but I know it's there. And so I'm reading the scriptures and it, it said this, it was from, I think, Ezekiel. It said, son of man, I've appointed you a watchman mm-hmm. for the house of Israel. And it said, and if, you, you, if I tell you to, you warn a man of his sins, but if you don't warn him, if you warn him and he turns, cool. Or if you warn him and he doesn't turn, okay, you're good. But if you don't warn him, like I tell you to warn him, I will put that blood on you. Mm-hmm. The blood will be on your hands. And I literally, I think I was in my apartment in Queens, a story Queens. I threw my hands up in the air. I said, I surrender. I uh-huh. give up. Okay. And as soon as I did that, Lisa, I was helping students in ways I didn't know I could help them. Like I was in a class. Uh, in, I don't think it was the Maryland Monroe Theater, but it was upstairs theater, third floor. And there's, we do a lot of emotional exercises and we train people's instruments so that they can maintain relaxation while they are emotional, which is not easy to, to, make, to give it that sense of ease and, and easiness. So we're training and people are crying and doing emotional memory exercises and different things. There's one student named Katarina from Sweden and I looked at her and I was like, I'm supposed to talk to her. I was like, oh, here we go again. You're not going to tell me what to say? I'm like, literally, I'm having an argument with God. You're not going to tell me what to say? Mm. You're not going to tell me. I'm going to just have to guess again. I always would guess right, but I just was frustrated with <laughs> that I said, You know what? I'm not, I'm not saying anything. And so the class is over. She's walking toward the door. I'm talking with another student. And as she gets to the doorway of three, three main, I said, Katerina. And she turns. I said, oh. I said wait, hold on. And I was thinking, why did you do that? Yeah, And she comes over after, and I said, Katerina, I said, I know that you're, I can sense that you're going through something. I mean, I know you're a long way from home. And I said, you know, if, if you need to talk to someone, please reach out to some of your classmates to talk. And I said, and if you want, you can call me. We, we can talk as well. And then he, I heard myself say this. I heard myself say this. Mm-hmm. But most of all, God wants you to know that he doesn't want you to do it alone. And she st- mm-hmm. t- tears start rolling down her cheeks, Lisa. And wow. I said, what, I said, what's going on? What's happening? She says, yesterday, I wrote a letter to God and asked him to send, get an emotional think about this.
0: She said, yeah. I asked
1: him to send someone to help me. And I said, here I am. Here I am. You were, you were the answer
0: to she, her prayer. I
1: was the answer. Yeah, I was the answer to her prayer. And that happened more than once there were students, one student was trying to kill himself he was drinking himself. So he was only 19, but I saw the dark circles, and he was drinking uh, Old English 800 and a pint of vodka every night, and he was, mm. he, he was taking him down. And I, I, got, I got him, I invited him to church, and he turned his life around. But listen, what it, the problem it causes this, this is the part I don't tell, is that it caused problems between me and the administration. So here I have received a clear, clear, as clear as anything in my life that yes. I'm supposed to help these students. I'm supposed to tell them, I mean, I don't preach to the class. But even if I did, it's not illegal. It's a private school. I don't teach. I don't preach. I never did that. I always would. Oh, that one, okay. Oh, this one is struggling, okay. This one I can encourage. I did that a a thousand times. Uh, But they started threaten me at the institute. Oh, "Oh, you can't tell people. You can't tell people about God. We can't recommend doctors, and you can't tell about God. I heard that students are coming to church, are getting baptized. I said, yeah. I said, but there are students that are in pretty bad shape. And she said, well, I'm telling you right now, you can't continue to do it. And I remember instantly in my mind, I didn't say it, though. I remember what Peter and I think John said when they were confronted by this, the Sanhedrin. Where he says, you know, preach no more in this name, this name of the mm. Messiah, that Jesus, the Messiah. Never. And they said, we cannot help but to, to say, say the things that we have seen and heard. You have to judge for yourself whether it's better for us to obey you or God. And so in my mind, I was like, yeah, you got you to gotta choose. what. I, obviously, it's better to obey God. I got it. And I even called my mother. The woman, mm-hmm. the, the miracle woman, and she <laughs> said, "Son, she said, if they told you to stop talking about God, then you should do it." I said, "But mom, I was clear, and many times people that have heard gotten messages for other people have had were persecuted uh, yes. for that. But I, I, I'm not doing it like that. I don't want to go through stuff, but I heard it so clearly." And she said, "Okay, son." And it happened a few times where she told me this. To, she told me to, you know, she, as a mother, she was worried, and so finally. It was a Saturday. And again, like grandmother had said, the scriptures lit up. I was going through a lot. I was, they were, the administration was coming down on me. I had other things going on. It was a, it was a really rough time. Yeah. I was on the edge of my bed at Manhattan Plaza, which, which is the, the actor's building, the arts building on 43rd and 10th Avenue in 17G. And I was on my knees on the side of the bed, and I was weeping. I said, oh, Lord, you have to talk to me. You have to tell me what to do. What should I do, Lord? And I opened at one finger. I opened up to Revelations 3-7, which I already quoted a little bit. And it said, and I remember I read, I was like, oh, my God, that's for me right now. It says, he who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. Behold, I've opened a door for you that no one can shut, because you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. And I remember mm. I sat there for a while going, and I said, what does that wow. mean? Wow. What is that? You're going to give me another cryptic message? What does that mean? <laughs> Open what you what You can shut. I show up at Strasbourg on Monday, and I was going on vacation on Wednesday. So I had two days to teach, and I was going to go to Austria. And uh, Vicky Crane, Anna Strasbourg's sister, said, Kirk, come into the office. We told you that we, we wanted you to stop talking about God, and you haven't done it. Are you going to stop talking about God? I was like, no, I'm not. Wow. She said, well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. When is your? I said, okay. I said, but I have to let you know, Vicky." It's important for you to remember this. I didn't do it on my own. I didn't just choose to do this because I got. I had a clear vision. I didn't go into it with her.
0: With mm-hmm. the
1: Dickens out of her. I said <laughs> I had a clear vision. I, it was very clear. And I said, students Roman Morocco or this one or Katarina, or and I started going, Sashiko from Japan. I said these are students that were on the edge. And I was going yes. to each one of them. A coincidence? No, I don't think so. And she looked at me, and to her credit, Lisa, her eyes were wide, and she said. Uh Were you were you supposed to teach tomorrow and then leave Wednesday? I said, Yeah, tomorrow is my last day before I leave for vacation. She said, um, Let me let me think about this overnight, because she 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 understood. As yeah, Gamaliel something did spoke in the to pictures, her. So, yeah, it said, Listen, if Gamaliel said about because they were gonna after the disciples were continue to preach, they said we're gonna kill these guys. And then Gamaliel, who was one of Paul's teachers said, he said, he called, he sent him out and he says, listen, men of Israel, he said, uh, uh, elders of Israel. He said, in times past, there have been people that have called themselves prophets. They've risen up, they've gotten disciples and then they've all ended up dead. So mm-hmm. if it's of human origin, it's going to fail. So leave these men alone. But if it's of divine origin, you may yes. find yourself fighting against God himself and they let the disciples go. And so Vicki gave me another day. I came back and she again said, She said, I'm sorry, we got to let you go. And I said, okay, Uh, I'm leaving for vacation tomorrow. And so I remember I was at the front desk and a student was walking by into what they call the Marilyn Monroe Theater where Lee used to teach his classes. I taught him Mm -hmm. there too. And this guy, he stopped in the lobby and he looked around and he said, something's different around here. And Mm. he walked into the room. And because I did that, I was again put in a situation where prayer was going to be important. And I remember I got my unemployment check, right? I was because they took my they didn't pay me my vacation pay because they said I quit because they couldn't fire me. Uh. And, I, and Anna had just complimented me two weeks before about how great a teacher was. She came in my classroom, interrupted the class, and started clapping. And everybody stopped and looked at her like, oh my gosh. And she then she walked out because she was in Lee's office and she could hear the class. So she couldn't say she fired me because I was a bad teacher. So she had to say I quit and right. I told them that on the phone they hung up on me they were screaming at me i get my unemployment check and guess what it says Lisa? it says because what? they this it said this is because they told you to not talk about god and you did not listen you are not eligible for unemployment benefits and i remember wow. i went to sleep that night true story in my apartment in queens on my daybed i had my clothes on because i was sad and i yeah, said yeah. i'm always very honest i was always very honest with god i told him i said lord I am so sad right now and disappointed. I said, but you know what? I still trust you. Mm-hmm. And I went to sleep with the letter in my hand. I woke up to a phone call. Hi, Kirk. This is, it was Henderson Hogan, my agent at the time. Hi, this is Henderson Hogan. Kirk, uh, they made an offer uh, on the Five Guys Named Mo Broadway musical that they're going to take on the road for a year. Uh, it starts, it pays 1950 a week plus 581 per diem and it went on it was like just a crazy deal I was like
0: yeah I didn't even remember
1: audition. I didn't I <laughs> didn't for that and so then I understood oh. what I what I what I opened no one can shut what I shut no yes one can open. shut the door at Strasbourg open for another to open for, for for my career literally to start because during that by the way I should tell you that during the years when I wasn't listening when I didn't want to do it I was jammed up and stuck like just a claw to pipe i could barely i got i did one film the return of superfly did some stage work but i couldn't seem to move forward and as soon as i did what i was supposed to do and, and then i paid the price for it uh the door opened and as a friend of mine said when god closes one door he always opens another always but it, sometimes it's it, sometimes it's hell in the hallway as you're waiting mm. <laughs> between the door yeah. opening and closing but but i was very happy that you know we we, we all can can say how it how great it is after it happens, but for you to have faith when you see nothing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I had evidence that God, because I knew that I was there as a miracle, even that I was alive, uh, and all the things that had happened, I knew that somehow God was going to come through for me. And I'm and I'm still standing on those promises today as I, you know, revival's coming out soon. And it's it's Lisa, it's the role of a lifetime. Well, I I want to jump in to say
0: that I appreciate you sharing the story you just shared, because I think it leads us right into how I would love for you to share with us after our commercial about this role for you being Simon Peter, how powerful and emotional and just like, wow, like, I just can't wait to hear about that. Do you mind just holding Uh, up for 60 seconds? And I'll be right back. No,
1: no. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. enjoy
0: And in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back to all of you listening. I am with actor, singer, and composer Kirk Taylor. Kirk, during the break, I I got a little tearful because I also appreciate the story you shared about being in that interim period, as you called it, health Hallway, and just how vulnerable... how, how, uh, you know, uncertain we can feel and just wanting to know what is our next step or when is it coming? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like I've been in a place like that, spending the last three years writing a book, spending more money than I ever thought I could come up with and just putting everything into this self-help book about healing our core wounds through self-forgiveness and spirituality and personal responsibility and just I email myself every few days. There are these dear God, I write dear God and I write to him. And then I write back to myself, like dearest Lisa. And just the other night I was like, dear God, what is going on? Yeah. Like, I need a miracle. I need you to show me like, and, and I felt inspired to reach out, to have my promo sheet updated for my agent, to reach out to more publishers yesterday and just today, my agent called and said, there is an amazing publisher that loves your manuscript and what? is recommending it next week. And we'll be back in touch with a contract if if that's where they go. Whoa. And I feel like to, just right before I called you for our show. So I feel like I had my what? really wonderful breakthrough, you know, and it just oh, is like, OK, that yes, God. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So I appreciate you sharing one of your moments in life and the door you that opens.
1: And I appreciate you drawing that story out for me. I've done a bunch of interviews. I've never shared that story. Oh, um, thank you. Because, it's, you know, because it, you, you drew it out. You, first of all, you, you come prepared and you come with a, such an encouraging heart. So I can see why people would gravitate to you for, I mean, that's part of your gifting and part of the anointing on your life thank to be you. able to you know, t- massage the heart.
0: Absolutely. So please tell us about your role as Simon Peter and revival and just everything since it's coming out next Friday.
1: Yeah. Oh, when you first announced that at the beginning of the show, I just started smiling. (laughs) Wow. It's really coming up because it's been a very difficult labor of love. We started shooting this in 2013. And so because of starts and stops, the budget went up, the budget went up. We started at a very low budget we went up, not, not super high, but it, it, it quadrupled. So it, it was slowed down, which meant that we had to shoot in spurts. We'd sh- shoot for one year and then we'd come back the next year and then mm-hmm. the next year and then the next year. But in terms of getting it, what's really significant is that it came again through a, a God nod, a God wink, mm-hmm. a, a divine finger saying, Yes, son, yes, this is for you. Um, my wife was the script supervisor on the show. And my friend John Baum was one of the associate producers. And between the two of them, they started pitching me to different people. Um, And uh, Rochelle was bold enough to go right up to Harry Lennox. Harry Lennox, of course, wrote and is starring in his Punctious Pilot. And it was his passion project. I mean, he wrote it for stage and it turned into a film. So she went right up to Harry Lennox. And she said, Harry? He said, hi, Rochelle. He said, "Um, my husband is is an accomplished actor. And she mentioned some film projects. And she said, and he um, is a very, very strong singer. And he's like, oh, let's bring him in. (laughs) And so within a short period of time, I was right before Danny Green, the director, and Albana Dodeva, one of our other producers. And I didn't even audition. And then it came down to which role. And they were going to give me the role of Andrew. And I remember Andrew doesn't sing because I've been waiting for an opportunity to come back full circle with musicals. I started in musicals, and I went away from that because as a method mm-hmm. actor. I wanted to be taken seriously, so I didn't want them to think I was just, quote-unquote, a musical performer. Mm-hmm. These days, it crosses over, but back then it was sort of like, oh, you, you, oh, you do Broadway? Oh, you're a musical? Okay, right, right. We want a serious actor. So I didn't tell them I sang for for a while until I did The Five Guys Named the Emotion. So here we are back again, and it, it's not a singing role. And I was like, oh, man, Andrew's arc is it's, it's you know he's good it's good it's okay, but and then they call me a day later and said Kirk, you have the role of Simon Peter. I was like, I said that's a singing role, right? They said yes. You have a, a a there's a trio. They sing a song called the Doubting Thomas song, and so uh, I'm on now. I've gotten the role of Simon Peter, and my and I'll tell you that I, what I've seen clearly at this point, my life prepared me to do that that role. Not only my my you. training as an actor as a coach. Um, but also my spiritual life and the things I experienced. I know the, 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 the soaring uh, uh, achievements, of, you know, great success that I've had, and I know dismal failures where things didn't work out well, whether, whether I was cut out of the film or I failed in this area or another area. I knew the highs and the lows, and that's Peter's story. He was a daredevil. He was one of, he's the pillar, one of the pillars of the church. He's the only guy we know other than Jesus who walked on water. It, we talk about the fact that he sent, but he he got out there and took some steps. And nobody else in the boat had courage to do that. So Peter was a courageous man, and also he was fearful and flawed, just like I am, just like we yeah. all are. And so yeah. I was able to take some of the experiences from my life and personalize it. I, in fact, i had I did a lot of research. I mean, method actors are known for, you know, uh, the, out of the loins of Strasbourg and Adler were known for doing exhaustive research. And I yes. read everything I could about first century life, fishermen. And then I found uh, a writing of a, a Greek uh, a historian from the first century. I don't remember his name, it begins with an H, Hegepis or something like that. And uh, he, just, he described a vision that was, had been handed down that Peter had of him finally being convinced that Nero was gonna kill him. I believe it was in Rome. But he was le- he was leaving the city because his friend said that, Nero has already said he's going to kill you, you have to leave, and so he finally decided to listen to them. They were they were, didn't want him to be martyred and, and killed for no reason or prematurely. And so as he was leaving the city, he saw a vision, open vision, like I had, of Jesus mm-hmm. walking past him into the city, and he said, Lord, Lord, and he turned. He says, Lord, where are you going? He said. Into the city to be crucified again, and Mm. it said, and it 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 was written that that broke Peter's heart because here he is trying to save his own life, here he is thinking about himself, and then I understood what he because Peter was crucified upside down, and I I always wondered why he did that, and Mm. he just made me understand because he said, "Don't crucify me the way Jesus was crucified." He says, "Do me upside. I don't deserve." to die oh. the same way as the Lord. And so when I got that, that sparked something in my heart where I understood, it. oh, I understand that shame. I understand that embarrassment. I understand that longing to do better, to, 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 mm-hmm. to represent well. And we, we don't always accomplish that. And so I was able to bring that and personalize things in Peter's life that allowed me, I and mean, then at one point I got a, a, a beautiful email from Harry Lennox, and I will always treasure it, where he sent me a clip Uh, The denial scene, which we shot first, Mm. by the way. I'll tell you that in a second. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. We shot it first. And it was a very painful scene to do, a very deep scene to do. And he said, Kirk, your work in this scene brings me to tears. And when I watched it, I started crying for him. Not for me, for Peter. Like, it was Uh. one of two instances where I felt that I had kind of gotten away from myself, had transcended. I'm using myself personally. It's always you as an actor. But I wasn't just watching myself. I was watching Peter. Mm-hmm. And my heart was just, my heart was broken for him. And um, I believe it translates. And there's some beautiful moments in this. And uh, Simon Peter, we call him Cephas, which is his Aramaic name. It also means rock, just as Peter does. He said, Jesus said, I'll build my, my church upon this rock. So uh, it, Cephas is the Aramaic version of that, the language they would have actually spoken there in the first century. And uh, um, I- I'm able to bring some truth to this i'm able to bring some passion to this and i think that it it it, it translates you know the things yes. that i was trying to accomplish and I, I, i'm really trusting that audiences will will be moved by Feel this, that it we'll it will start a conversation it'll start a, a consideration it will start a search you know for the for the seeker for the seeking hearts
0: what a beautiful and, and, film for you to be in
1: i i mean i cannot tell you how I'm, I scratch my head. It's like, Oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm playing Peter. I'm playing Cephas yeah in revival. I have one of the leads I'm the, I, on the script I was number three. And even in this film, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another thing I don't share, but in this film, because of the company that took over to do distribution, they controlled who was going to be put where. And even though I'm number three and have the best arc in the film other than Jesus, I mean, it's, Peter, think about him walking on water, uh, about mm-hmm. him uh, uh, acknowledging that Jesus is Messiah, and then denying him. And, denying and him. A, a crazy, it's a crazy arc. Um, but I looked on the poster, and on the website, and I was like, my name's not on the poster. I, I've never been, I had my own card, in my own, my name wasn't on the poster for Full Metal Jacket, but I had my own card. This one, my name is not on the poster, and I don't have my own card. So again, okay. it's like, uh, I was a little shocked by that. And a couple other friends that, but the company was saying, okay, who's working more currently right now? Oh, Roland Buck III. Who's on Chicago med. Well, we know it's his only first film and Kirk, it's your 30th film, but we're going to mm. put him on. We're going to put, and so they made those decisions. And at first I was hurt. And then I remembered yeah. something. Uh, talking about the God nods, the God winks. Yes. Uh, in, in, I went to Sundance and a film called, um, my first time at Sundance, uh, MacArthur Park, directorial, full-length directorial debut of Billy Worth. People know him from The Lost Boys and other things. Wonderful actor, great guy. And uh, I played a cop in that. Uh, when we got to the screening, I watched that, you know, this, the thing started and I was watching myself. And again, I had that feeling. I was like, oh my gosh, I believe this guy. Mm-hmm. I believe this cop. This is a real, this is a cop. I'm watching a cop, Officer Randolph Davis. And so when the film concluded, the credits start rolling. I'm not in the credits. So on, on this oh. current film, I'm not featured in the credits where I, I should have been. And, you know, I learned some lessons about what to do regarding contracts. But mm-hmm. um, I just never imagined that they would do that. I never had to, to, to fight for just a basic thing. So my name's not in the credits. They told me they had to rush to get the Sundance. They apologized. So at the second screening in L.A., Again, you know, I brought my friend Michael Jai White, who's from my hometown of Connecticut, and Gina Bolton and other friends, and the film starts. And again, I like that role. I love that cop. Yes. He's doing a great job. But then when the credits rolled, I, dropped, I literally dropped my head because I was, you know, I was embarrassed. It was like, I don't know why they would do that, but it hurts. And so we walk out of the theater. I shake it off. I'm talking to Mike and Gina. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Coming and I said, oh my gosh, that's right, his daughter, Sidney Tamia Poitier, is in the film. And he's coming kind of toward me. I said, is he, is he coming here? He <laughs> walked right up to me, Lisa, and he says, excuse me, did you play the cop? And I said, <laughs> oh, y- yes, Mr. Poitier, I did. He says, I watched you very closely, and I wanted you to know I did not know if you were a real cop or if you were an actor. That's meant to be a compliment to you. I thought to myself, that cop should be an actor. And I mm. said, sir, you have no idea how much that means. I said, they, they forgot my name in the creds. And he interrupted me. And he says, where you're going in your career, that will not matter. The presence you bring to the screen. And at that point, Lisa, I literally lost the It was the hard to, to hear. hear. Yeah. I couldn't hear any more
0: compliments. It was so much. It I was just, so much. It
1: was too much. I watched his lips move after that. And I thought to myself, this is Mr. Tibbs. Because I seen yeah. him first in, in the heat of the night. And he walked away, and I turned to Gina. I said, "I hope you, I hope you heard that because I, I conked out after uh, the presence you bring to the screen." But that was a God nod. That was a God wink. That was another po- finger point, point saying, "Yeah, I got you, son." And so with revival, where I realized I wasn't really be- given the credit that I should be given, I wasn't giving the placement I should be giving. I, I, I remembered the Portier story. This is ab- about a month ago. And I started weeping like a baby Mm. because then I realized how much I was really hurt by it. But I also realized that that message, just as often prophecies will be for two seasons, three seasons, it will will refer to different periods of time. I realized that that prophecy, that word he gave to me about my acting, the compliment of compliments that set for an actor of his ilk, uh, one of the great actors of any generation to tell me he didn't know if I was acting or if I was a real that he thought I might've been a real cop. That was the compliment of compliments. And I realized, that that compliment, given years before, was for now as well. It and is. God was again saying, "I got you. I got you. Don't worry, there's going to be a nod. I don't know what the nod's going to be in revival. I don't know what the wink is. I don't even know I'm in the studio now recording some of my music. I sing, I'm writing stuff, I'm writing scripts, uh, I'm still coaching, I'm doing different things. but I don't know what the next thing is acting wise, like. but I know who does know. And I know will yes. hand. And so, again, you and I are going to now we've talked about it. I'm telling you up now in the audience listening that there will be a wink and there will be a nod. I can guarantee it. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what door is going to open up, but um, he opens the doors and he shuts the doors. So I'm giving him uh, charge of that.
0: And I want to tell you, Kirk, that not only do you bring presence to the screen, but you bring presence to life itself. And it's been such an honor today to have this time together. Uh, I'm so grateful.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I am too. I'm really, (laughs) I feel like I just went through a session with you.
0: (laughs) Well, I look forward to meeting you and and staying in touch. Thank you for taking your time today with us.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes. Okay. And, and Lisa, if, if people wanted to stay in touch, if they, you, yes. you mentioned the website, I'm also at I am Kirk Taylor, K I R K Taylor, for Instagram and Twitter. And you told them about KirkTaylorOfficial.com and RevivalTheMovie.com is where they Thank can find out about that. the Revival film. Yeah. Thank you help.
0: for that. I got so caught up in what you were saying. Thank you for adding that. Yes. And just have the yeah, most yeah, wonderful yeah. day. And I look forward to seeing your film, to seeing Revival.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I look forward to talking to you again.
0: Me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everyone, that concludes our show for today. I was just with actor, musician, and singer Kirk Taylor. What an amazing man. And again, you know where to find him. You know where to find me. NOLA Therapy. KirkTaylorOfficial.com for him. And I am Kirk Taylor on social media. NOLA therapy for me. And just all my love to you. And I look forward to being back with you next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to all things therapy with Lisa Tahir all